0: Hello and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, Interim Chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the president and CEO of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. This is our weekly discussion with Dr. Maurice, in which we learn about updates in the field of laboratory medicine and pathology. Hi, Bill. Welcome back.
1: Hi, Bobby. Uh, As always good to be back. Yeah,
0: excellent. Another week, lots of exciting things going on, and still no word on valid, but keeping a close eye on that for now and other legislation issues that may happen before the end of the year.
1: Yeah, there's a lot. I was in Washington, D.C., actually for FDA conference for Reagan Udall Awards Dinner. And I've heard that it's the most, this is always complex, getting the end of year package passed. And this is more complex than traditionally seen just because there's so much in it and a lot around healthcare labs. And speaking with highly placed sources at FDA, they are working hard to try and keep valid on the docket there. So we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, of course, Valid is all about lab-developed tests. We've been talking about it for so long. I'm sure everyone knows that. But some of the questions I get are, what are lab-developed tests? Why do they matter? Can you give me an example? And an example that I think would be really good to highlight is a specific test that we happen to offer through Mayo Clinic laboratories for this condition, which is rare, but very significant, called stiff man or stiff person syndrome, because it's been in the news recently. Yeah. And yeah, right. it's a hard to uh, diagnose entity, and it just shows the importance of having a test like a lab-developed test for it.
1: I don't know anything really about the, the illness itself. It must manifest with rigor or muscle contraction would right. think. Is it an autoimmune condition? Where is it performed
0: in GLP? So it is an autoimmune disorder. It's not done in microbiology. So I have to say that I am not a subject matter expert on this. But what I know is it is an autoimmune disorder of the nervous system. And you get this involuntary stiffness. So stiff person syndrome. It's also known as Morse-Schwoltman syndrome. But you get these superimposed painful muscle spasms, often induced by like a, a startle and then it Mm. triggers these reactions. As with many autoimmune diseases, it more commonly affects women, and usually more in the older ages. Um, I shouldn't say older, because that's impacting me now, these two, but like 40s and 50s. More than half of the patients have another coexisting autoimmune disease, like diabetes type 1.
1: Got it. For me too, the definition of older person is is, is a (laughs) slide. It's all relative. It's all relative, but it does speak to the power and the need for LDTs, really the need for the laboratory to be able to create the diagnostic to tell someone what they have, right? And the reason I wondered about the autoimmune neurologic is because, as it turns out, over 80% of our proteome is expressed in our neurologic system. And that's why you were particularly prone to get autoimmune diseases affecting one of those proteins. But you can, have the myriad of proteins, that means there are patients that have an antibody to some protein expressed in the nervous system, which causes disease. And they might be one of a handful of people in the world that have ever been described with this. And that's why our autoimmune neurology lab, really founded by Dr. Lennon and now led by Dr. McKeon and Dr. Pittick and Dr. Dubé and others, they continue to innovate. They continue to find these new conditions. And it's really the power of Mayo Clinic Labs because they get the specimen, they have an autoimmune neurology clinic. But they talk to the providers and they see, they'll detect an antibody and then they'll realize it's actually associated with condition. So it's, it's fascinating. It shows that diagnostics need to be at the leading edge. And I think, and I share with you, a Mayo Clinic alumnus who I had a chance to work with in internal medicine actually reached out to me with a lab test that was run in, I think now this one, I think wasn't run in your area, again, something you're familiar with. Because he's, he's an anesthesiologist. I'm not sure if he's retired or not. i have to ask him. But he's also been an avid for And when he was a resident here, we were residents together. And he developed a red meat allergy from a tick bite. He had that diagnosed here by a test done in, in clinic. Does that sound right?
0: It's mostly right. It's actually, again, not clinical microbiology, but it is something I know about. It's a test that is performed in our lab that tests for various allergies. And yeah, this so-called red meat allergy, it really is a thing. And it's all mammalian meat, non-primate mammalian meat. And its technical name is galactose alpha-1,3 galactose or alpha-gal. (laughs) And what happens is certain ticks, usually the lone star tick, will bite a human, inject some proteins or sugar moieties into the bloodstream that are recognized in a certain way and predisposed individuals so that they develop an allergy against these sugar moieties, which also happen to be on the surface of all mammalian meats, not avian meats, so chicken, duck, goose. Your Christmas goose is fine, but you develop an allergy to pork, beef, other types of meat, and it's an odd allergy. First of all, it's associated with a tick bite, so that's odd, but it also isn't an immediate response. It happens hours after the ingested meal, and it can be quite serious. You could actually get anaphylactic reactions. You could potentially die. And so individuals who develop this allergy from a tick bite cannot eat mammalian meat for sometimes years until the antibody levels go down.
1: Wow. It's fascinating. And he, that's what he mentioned too. It's, it's actually shared it with me and said, it would be good for me to share on there here because he said it took him a long time to figure it out because it's hours after you eat. And I think most often it's like cramp, you know, it's what we think of as, as indigestion. Right. And so, but it can be much more serious than that. And I think it can get worse. Like any, every time you stimulate that, It gets worse. So the more you eat red meat, the more severe it sometimes I think the reaction gets. Anyways, it just shows that the laboratory really is a practice of medicine for him to have an answer for the individuals that have stiff man syndrome, even if there's not very many of them, they need to know and their doctors and their providers need to know. And that's the lab's critical role in innovations continuing to find those things. I don't think the alpha gal, alpha gal But here with Parasite Gal talking about Alpha Gal, but this is not a good Alpha Gal. You're a good Parasite Gal. But uh, no, I mean, we really need some manufacturers will make make tests to those conditions, but many times they will not. And how do we ensure that people get the answers that they need? And that's why we really need to make sure that we're we're advocates for what we do for patient care. You know, that's our recurring theme here is to really stay at the table that valid if it will impose regulations on labs we haven't had before. Of course, as we've discussed, the outcome might be worse. But most importantly, that's why it's been great for the labs to stay engaged with the process because the legislative process was used here to try and get stakeholder input. Right or not, that's a matter of opinion. But we really have to, these things will just continue to be, even just the LDT issue, we need to make sure people understand it. A lot of homebrew tests was something that we've heard used before, which, of course, totally inaccurate. Patient advocacy groups are actually kind of really hot on this because it portrays an image of, of this, that there's not a quality focus on these tests, which is, of course, not accurate most of the time. And if you look a lot of it, even for tests that perform well, understanding where and when they work best and what they should be used for. There's been also a lot in the news lately about NIPS tests, non-invasive prenatal screening, and should we be doing it? It's not really that those are LDTs. It's because people really need to understand what to do with the results. And that's whether or not it's an LVT. That's, a, that's the job of laboratory medicine. Laboratory medicine professionals and pathologists. If you know someone that has alpha-gal, you could say, I am a laboratory medicine pre- professional and I can say with confidence that that Christmas goose is safe for you. I cannot say <laughs> Christmas pudding, however. You might be able to say something like that.
0: Yes, you could have the Christmas goose, but not the Christmas ham. There
1: yes, indeed.
0: Or you could be a vegetarian like me. I don't have to worry about these things. But some people say that not being able to eat meat is worse than, I don't know, some other diseases they might get. It's all relative, I suppose. But you are completely right about laboratory medicine. It is a specialty within medicine and all tests, whether it's a lab developed test, a clinically commercially available test, a kit that was commercially produced, there's no perfect test in every test has to be used within the context of the clinical picture.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. And I mean, and that's our job. Again, it's to be that. We might not be at the bedside. We might. But the most important thing is that we're providing the information that people can make the best decisions with. And that includes what the test is good for and what it's not. And it's amazing how, I mean, that was, we talked about that ad nauseum through COVID. And yet still those lessons tend to recede quite quickly. So yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, interesting talk today about a LDT, a commercial test, and just interpreting tests in general. Hopefully soon, we will have some news for all of you about VALID and what may happen in the future. So we will keep an eye out for that and then keep everyone updated.
1: Yeah, so it'll be a very interesting set of discussions after the new year. when We will know what we know. We'll know what the rules are or are not. It'll be an interesting time for sure.
0: All right. Well, until next time. Until
1: next time, I hope everyone's enjoying a festive holiday season, however you celebrate it.
0: Yes. Happy holidays to everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.